Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. I'm Rick, joined as ever by Paula and Alex. Uh, This week, hello, this week it is somewhat more of a How Long to Dev podcast because someone, Paula, did a little game jam. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of the regular old sort of beaten, retired playing. I think it's been a quiet week on those fronts for all of us, to be fair. Um, But the bulk of the conversation is just going to be about what the jam was like. Um, Me and Alex grilling Paola, giving us some feedback and some praise because we both played the game. uh, And it's pretty good, actually. Um, And then we've also got a related question from the community and the one stalwart. How How long long to beat the the game? game? It might be good. Sounded shit to me. Right. And to be too. <laughs> Alex, tell us about all the VR games you've been playing. Yeah, so I've been doing a whole lot of VR um, over the past little while here. As we, as we know, I got a quest too. Um, and I beat that game. I talked about it before. Death Horizon Reloaded, the zombie one, which is not very good. There's a lot of zombie games. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm sick of zombie games in like a like traditional video game style, but damn man, I don't know what it is. Popping zombie heads in VR is just really friggin' fun, and like this game combines kind of those climbing, uh, these climbing elements to it, uh, to the shooting mechanics. And I would say like it's a fun game. I got it on a like a deep sale, um, and I think unless you get it on a deep sale you skip um because <laughs> there's a lot of better stuff it's just the end of it isn't really an end like i got to the final section and it was like oh yeah the big like there's like this boss coming up and then it was like to be continued <laughs> like they're still working on it i guess so you know what i mean it's like a pretty old game too at this point but anyway i guess like for at least the quest version maybe because i guess the quest 2 is not that old so i'm sure this was like you know ported and created for this one and maybe i don't know maybe they're having issues i don't know maybe it was never made i'm not sure i didn't look into it because i don't really care um <laughs> but uh yeah fun enough the one complaint i have is that like near the end of it it was starting to get a little like it was a, it was a little cheap uh, at a certain point. Like this final stretch of a hallway, it's just like this like rush of all these zombies, and like honestly, I ended up beating it by just kind of running through it, which is sort of disappointing, right? Like you know, you're supposed to like shoot your way, and I was like, it's too hard to shoot your way. I can just literally run past all of them, use the key card, and get in the safe room. And I'm like, is that really what you want me to do in this game? Because that's what I did, and I beat it. So I don't know. Uh, a little disappointing there, but I, it was a great game to get my like VR sea legs under me, I guess. Like I found after playing, when I first started playing it, I was a little motion sick, but after playing it now, I can go like full tilt in games and I'm fine. So um, that was kind of nice. Uh, it's kind of nice to find a game that has locomotion that's not too intense to kind of get yourself going with it. And so, yeah, that was this one for sure. Is that a thing you found with the VR where like the initial sickness dissipates a little bit once you get used to it? All? Big time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, okay. You're good. You'll feel quite sick. And I actually find it's different in different game modes. I've been doing this with a little racing game that I didn't put on my playing, I guess, but I probably should. Uh, but there's like this little racing game, mini motor DX or whatever. I won't talk about it later, but like it's basically you can it's really cool because you can look at it from a top down perspective and you can um, control your like car from like way up above as if you're looking at an RC race and they even let you use an RC controller. So you can like go like that, oh. like move the control. It's really cool. Or you can 
tag your camera right to the back of the car and look at it that way. Or you can even go right into the car and use a steering wheel. And going right into the car, oh boy, that takes a little bit of getting used to. It even says on the thing, it's like, it's intense if you do this. And like, it truly is intense. You're in there and you're like, fuck! <laughs> just going nuts as this car is just whizzing. Like suddenly this little RC car that looked like it was going so slow, you're like, oh my God, I'm going at the speed of light. <laughs> you're just like going so fast. It's worse than, I don't know why, but like space sims for me, like space flight sims and stuff, they never feel that fast. And maybe it's because you're in outer space or whatever and it doesn't feel that bad. Probably. But when you're tied to like the ground in a car, fuck, it is intense. Um, and I recommend it, but like it's, yeah. So I've been playing that a little bit here and there to get me used to that kind of mechanics because I would love like a really competent racer in VR. Oh, shit. Would truly test your abilities. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. And then I also played the Vader Immortal series, um, episodes one, two, and three, which they were like on a little bit of a sale, not much at all. And they're not like, this is, it's very short. Like I played all three of them probably under three hours uh, to play the whole thing. Um, but they're like 10 bucks and like, like CAD or like, what was it? Like 11 CAD or something like that. It like was ultimately kind of the price of a movie. So like in a way I like, I was like, it's, I, I do think it's worth its price. It's not like they're pricing this like three hour experience at like some crazy premium. Like they recognize what it is, you know? Um, that being said, it's like, and this is what I'm learning a bit with VR is that there are like, this is obviously a platform that's attempting to be for a lot of different people which is good i actually think that's why we're seeing so many more developers come to it and like create games because um it's not just meant for like you know hardcore gamers or whatever right um and vader immortal is very much like an experience it has gameplay mechanics within it you can do locomotion which is nice there's lightsaber stuff which is pretty cool you got some force stuff which is neat you're not playing as vader though like it's a story about vader which i think is partially the pro like like I was kind of hoping I was going to be Darth Vader. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think I missed that part. Like, it's booted up and I went, ah, oh, fuck. I'm just a nobody. <laughs> and, uh, oh, actually, this game. When we do a new game plus about political hot takes, I've got a big hot take on this one because there's some fucking, there's some stuff in this that I'm like, that's fucked up in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but anyway, the way it works is like, it's very much like playing a, a, I don't know, you're, you're like in a movie, I guess, you know, or like an episode of like Clone Wars or something. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Really impressive sights. The acting's cool. Um, it is fun to use the Force, but ultimately the only gameplay you're really doing is like blo uh, blocking blaster bolts, getting into a couple of lightsaber fights, um, and like pulling. Now I will admit, grabbing a stormtrooper, pulling them towards you and slicing them is pretty fun. But because it's kind of, you know, you're not obviously slicing them in half. Listen, if this game allowed me to slice a stormtrooper in half, I'd have been like, this is a 10 out of motherfucking 10. <laughs> but because you pull them and you slice them, they're just like, ah, I'm dead. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> this is the conceit of a Star Wars game, though. It's never quite yeah. going to be what you want it to be. I, yeah. I feel like that's just going to be the case in eternity. Yeah. And there was a time when you could slice through folk and stuff. But again, it's trying to hit a more mass appeal. Um, and so that's fine. Yeah. But even then there's no blood from a lightsaber. So just let me do it. 
they don't cauterize. Let them let them cut in half. You're killing people anyway. Mickey says no. <laughs> I know, we tried. right? Yeah, yeah. And this is also the we problem. Where they all they all have to be canon now too, right? So like, and it's just the story is fine, but you're also like, what? <laughs> like, we'll talk about this more in that in that new game plus. Trust me, because I I really want to like I I very much want to do this. So anyone listening, that I I will request that be our next new game plus because, God, I have some thoughts on this game, um, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But anyway, um, if you have a quest, I I think it's worth playing if you like Star Wars because. It is pretty cool at a few points. Darth Vader is pretty intimidating um, in VR. <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck, hey, buddy. Uh, and nothing will stop me squealing in joy from going with a lightsaber. <laughs> uh, Rick, tell us about uh, Box Boy and Box Girl. Yeah, so th- this is kind of a cheat completion in the sense that I finished the main campaign, but mm. there's a pretty substantial post-game that mm. really, by rights, is still game. So Box Boy the switch version uh, serves as to the extent that these games have a story serves as a prequel to the 3ds trilogy narratively um so the main campaign you play as qb like the the one by one box but there's a big section after your credits roll where you play like a parallel campaign of the like oblong shaped character which is cool because that's where they put some of the more challenging stuff they've clearly pivoted this as a, an introduction point for the series, which makes a lot of sense because the 3DS games were digital only. They were very small. They didn't really get a lot of marketing. Um, new system, new audience. You want to give people a way in. And I think this really does serve as an excellent way in uh, because the new stuff that they add is after like seven or eight worlds of really onboarding you uh, or mm. refreshing you, depending on whether you got experience with it or not. Does add some of its own ideas. Almost all of them are great. There were a couple that felt a little bit gimmicky to me, but they never really even got in the way. It's just like, at most, they were good, or at least they were good, rather. Um, I'll probably talk more about the post-game and what I'm still doing in playing, because I'm technically still playing this one. But I, I just want to echo what I've said the past couple of weeks while I've been playing this game. It is excellent. Um, even as someone who generally can't go the distance with a puzzle platformer, these are truly great games. Perfect pick-up, put-down kind of situation. Um, polished to a sheen. Cannot recommend them highly enough, especially at the price. Like full price, this was nine pounds. So you're talking like ten, twelve dollars. Uh, the 3DS games were half that each. And if you are wanting to snap those up legally, I would say do that quick time because I think in Japan they've literally just taken away the ability to like pay with a credit card for things on 3DS and Wii U shops. Oh, so. Yeah. It's not happened in the West yet, to the best of my knowledge. But A, I'm not really plugged in anymore because everything that I wanted to buy, I bought. Everything that I want to try post then, I will download illegally because I've got a hacked 3DS. Yeah. B, um, even though it's not happened this side of the pond, like it will soon. That That's just a reality of it. it. This is the beginning of the end for those platforms. So if you want those games, and you should want those games, Snap them up quick time if you want to buy them legally. Box Boy is great. My other completion, equally great. Um, and this was uh, a third replay for this game, third overall completion. Um, a little game that listeners of the podcast from way back when will absolutely know about, a game called Deadbolt. Um, by the same devs as um, Risk of Rain 1 and 2. 
very, very good game. Very different kind of focus. This is a single player um, shooter, I suppose. It, it's a weird one to pin down in a genre sense. It's somewhere in the vein of a 2D hotline Miami. That feels like a really weak descriptor, but it's a pretty accurate one in terms of how the mechanics work. Mm. Um, the story is is very sort of otherworldly noir. Like you play as a Reaper. Like it's insinuated that you're the Grim Reaper, but there are otherworldly forces around and beyond you. Um, and they tie into your objectives in the, the 27 campaign missions that you play. Um, mechanically, it's just excellent. It's a perfect sort of five-hour campaign. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it every single time I've played it. It's definitely best on PC. That's where I would say play it if you absolutely can. Um, the Vita port is excellent. There are two specific areas where there's not game-breaking but significant slowdown. So that's a factor to sort of bear in mind. Um, on PS4, it was great. Had no problems there. So that's also an option for people wanting to play it that way. Um, wherever you play, it's on Switch as well. I imagine that port is good. Um, it's a great game. It's got oodles of charm. The soundtrack by Chris Christodoulou is one of the best albums ever, You know, let alone just video game music. It's a wonderful piece of art. Um, the game visually is quite striking mechanically again like box boy it's really really polished it's quite a narrow sort of set of abilities that have been really honed in and levels built around those the other perk on pcs it's got a level editor so you've got access to a load of sort of community created levels mm. there big plus especially it's quite funny when you were sort of following the development of that game uh, there is one level uh, which the developers designed a whole sort of trap booby trap system around exclusively for that level um and then people took it and ran wild with it in the level editor and they're like thank fuck that work wasn't all for waste because that that's literally the only time it's used in the campaign um and it, it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing mm. um the game's wonderful just go and play the game um yeah I, two bangers of completions this week for me so happy days in that sense um and paula have you got any beatings? If not, I'll jump straight into retired. Oh, I haven't gotten any. So <sighs> it's been a quieter week this week. Just, <laughs> just for I'm reasons that we will get onto. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Let me roll straight into retired in that case. Um, I retired a little game called Cyber Shadow. Um, so this is like a 2D Ninja Gaiden esque game um, by Yacht Club Games, the people behind Shovel Knight. I was driven to try this game because it's leaving Game Pass um, at the time of recording in about two and a bit hours time. So I wanted to try it with enough time that if I liked it, I could beat it. I liked it-ish, I guess, but I didn't love it. It wasn't really gripping me. Um, it's definitely not old school hard but there was enough old school obnoxious design yes. like in an intentional way that it didn't really jive with me and that's not necessarily a failing of the game that's just a matter of taste and preference um there's other stuff i want to play on game pass let alone on everything else so um it's one i might come back to in the future it's the kind of game i imagine will get deeply discounted sometime um but it, it's not one that i was really enthused to to plug away and really commit to beating over the next couple of days when I tried it. So 
I was um, on the same boat that, with you. Like I retired that game too because it's just yeah, there's stuff in there that I was like, oh my god, no thanks. You know, like if you're like a major Ninja Gaiden fan, like the NES kind of things, you'll probably be like, hell yeah. But unless otherwise, I'm like, I don't know. Well, it's the gaming equivalent of a genre film, right? Like, yeah, you know if you're this game's target audience, and if you're not, it's a real hit or miss situation. Uh, for me, ultimately, it was a miss, but that doesn't really say anything to the game's quality. That's it for retired and playing for me. I'll shut up for a while. Paula, tell us what you've been. Blah, blah, blah. Tell us what you've been playing. So, I've been uh, making some real progress in Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch, and this game is amazing. I already gushed about how charming the graphics are and how I feel like it's a Ghibli movie put into the video game format, and. Um, my stance is still there, mainly because of how everything looks like so, I'm going to say, like, so pretty and fairytale-like. And some of the topics this game tackles are, like, deep or a little bit depressing if you really think about it. So I kind of like that duality in the game. Plus, um, one of the mechanics that takes front and center is that every person has like a counterpart on both worlds because you're a kid like going to this magical world to pretty much save his mother but um the thing about it is is that not only his mother has a counterpart everyone has a counterpart and you have to pretty much like travel back and forth between these uh, two worlds and pretty much try to figure out what is going on with one person by their counterpart. And I found that very, very interesting. I haven't, I think I haven't died yet. Yeah, I haven't died yet. But even if the combat is quite simplistic, there are moments where I'm like, oh no, that thing hits like a track, especially <laughs> because depending on which familiar you have out, some are bulkier than others and it really shows. I'm also playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. I made a stupid amount of money with my journeys. Oh, were you going to say Oh, no, nothing. Something I was just going to say, yeah, Nino Kuni, like, that's a game that every time I see it on sale, I'm just like, oh, I should play that again because it's such a fun game. But then I also see, like, the time that it takes to beat it in, and I go, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I, I'm very much in that boat. But equally, um, recently a fan translation came out of the DS version. Oh. Both, both the game and the 200 page spell book that like it physically came with in japan uh mm. that you're supposed to refer to and like copy spell shapes from on the touch screen like loads of mad stuff that never made it into the ps3 version oh uh, but it's again it's just a huge time commitment it's so yeah so tricky to try and fit in there yeah i i know it is a big time commitment but compared to other like I guess time sinkers or time sinks I played mm. before. This one goes like very, very fast, or it feels that you're like, like time flies with it. So, oh, well, yeah, if you and haven't played I don't it before. Think, yeah. Mm. And I don't think I'm gonna like take as much time to beat as the completionist thing, but I still feel like I'm gonna spend a lot of time on it just because of how. Both the story, the characters, and the overall gameplay just feels just just fits so well and feel like 
so well-rounded. Mm. So if you're going to commit to one time sync, might as well be either that or Shin Megami Tensei Five. <laughs> Two wildly different games. <laughs> Two wildly different games, but they're both great. Yeah. I forget. Oh, yeah. And then I'm playing Animal Crossing Horizons. Talk about another time sync. I think <laughs> I'm not like Breath of the Wild time yet with this one. But I'm getting there. And I actually won the turnips game. And I made about like 2 million bells or the game's currency oh my God. Um, in a week, which was amazing. Uh, so I'm pretty much able to like build every bridge, incline, or like change any house for to wherever the hell I want. Um, so I I know now I need like an idea of how to keep customizing my islands. So I'll be like checking out like scenarios on the my games like to keep the theme of the thing. I take it the mortgage is long paid off. Yeah. It has been long paid off even before the the turnips. Nah. Because I I somehow like landed on Tarantula Island a couple of times, so that helped. Tarantula costs quite a lot of money. Oh, you can too. Okay. Yeah. I'm showing um, my naivety. Sorry, go on. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. And finally, and the one I think I spent more time with this week is Daidoku, Agents of Sakuratani. And this game, oh my god. Um, even if the setting is more like fantastical, I guess, the overall feel of the game is more like chill or like maybe, um, I guess, less drama intensive than other Otome games. Which is a nice change of pace because sometimes you just want to chill and you don't want like a three chapter, a three long, no, three chapter long drama about how there's a misunderstanding. Sometimes you just want the people to just fucking speak their problems. Which, and I already said that the um, protagonist, you know, is wonderful. Like, she is like, she kind of fits like the not so naive, but very like, I guess this is a very kind character and it has like very interesting ideas, but at the same time, when she's getting like pissed off by some other character that likes to just tease her out of her mind, she's like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, well, fuck you now. Which is it's also refreshing. Huh? Sorry, I was just going to say, it's kind of funny. On How Long To Be, you are currently the only person playing this game. On... Oh, I know. Like, it's on How Long suck. To Be, of course. You're not the only one, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, but overall, I think this is one of the less popular, maybe because, oh, a, uh, a big chunk of the Atomia fandom kind of likes the more intense storyline. Uh, that other games may have, such as Kodarmaris or uh, Code Realize, that have like an overall, overall, oh my god, overarching theme that is quite apparent from the start. Here, mm. I'm just like doing patrols and making sure the Ayakashi or the Jokai and other uh, spiritual beings are like messing shit up. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, I have to seal one of them. But 
it isn't like super terrible. There hasn't been like like threatening circumstances or anything like that. And like the words that happened was a little misunderstanding. And not even like between like the main cast, but between like two people from the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, there's so many side characters and all of them are like super interesting. You could tell that at some point the developers were like, yeah, we should probably like have some extra Ikemen or extra pretty boys. So in case this sells well and we can make a fan disc out of it, <laughs> which sadly I don't think it did. Uh, but yeah, um, so far so good. I finished the one of the routes, the one that was about these. I want to say Kitsune character, which I forgot, like the the level of Kitsune that he said he was. Oh, and this game is like super mythologically such culturally intensive. So I actually learned a lot about Japanese mythology, like just Googling like, okay, so what's the inspiration from this? It's a little bit like to Mary Tensei that the designs and some mm-hmm. of the stories are like inspired by real world mythological or religious figures, I guess. Hmm. So yeah. Um Alex, what yeah. <laughs> what is going on there? Yeah, I got, I got, I got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> so you want to be uh, heavy, yeah, yeah. I kind of um, parked SMT five for like a little bit because Picross S seven came out, and I was like, oh. time to get my Picross going, and it's just so perfect for um, watching like TV shows. Like I was watching Dexter New Blood, um, which I really enjoyed, and then fumbled the end a little bit, but that's fine. Dexter has never nailed the ending ever so well whatever um but anyway i was playing that then i also finished all the clip picross and lords of the nazareth because pala once you mentioned it i was like i should go and beat those clip picrosses and you're right the pixel art is very good in those ones there <laughs> um but i i did jump back into smt5 like i didn't like abandon it um and so but i'm going a little slower now i man the movement in that game is ass. Like, it's really bad. And, like, it's just, it's so clunky. Like, and there's this, like, there's, like, these platforming things you can do. And I'm like, bruh, you got to dial in these controls. Because, like, I don't know if, have you experienced this, Paolo? Like, I find moving the Nahobino is really, really not fun. <laughs> like, it's just... It's kind of interesting because I have I actually think that's the opposite. I mean, I don't like press like the run super speed button like a lot, so maybe that has to do it. But when I do like, I haven't found myself in a situation that, for example, I crash into a demon or something like that. No, that's yet, fine. At least. But it's not the demons. Or do you mean like the um, the platforming itself? Yes, it's the precise stuff that you have to do because like you're gonna want to go get Mimen and get like because like you know they have those yellow like orbs around and if you slash them you can get essences which are pretty important uh-huh. right um and i find that in those moments it's like because your character has like a slow it's a, it, it, you're almost on a throttle so like when you push your character will start kind of walking and then they'll start to like kind of move a little faster and then you can hold out a button to sprint but then to jump, the jump feels really inconsistent to me. Um, and at times I had to figure out actually that when you jump, so there's this slightly counterintuitive thing where like 
most of the time in video games, when you sprint, what usually happens to your jump? It gets more powerful, right? In this game, that is 3,000% the opposite. So, Uh yeah, so when you move forward, you actually want to jump while walking very slowly because you will jump further that way. Um, Whereas if you're sprinting, most of the time, you'll hit the jump button well before you're about to go off an edge and it just will not register. It'll be like, no, you missed. And you'll just fall off. The amount of times I've fallen off is so fucking annoying. And I'm like... It's starting to like, because now we're getting into, I'm in an area where there's a lot of goddamn jumping and there's a lot of fucking platforming stuff. And I'm like, come on here. Like, it's just, I feel like I'm fighting it sometimes, um, which I don't know. It's just, and I think maybe that's because I don't know about the other games and whatnot. This seems to me like maybe the first time that it's like really intensely open like this. I don't know. Do they have a lot of this moving around in the other games? I don't, I don't really know that I mean, you guys can fill me in a little more on that. I'm not not so really. Much. Like I mean, the one yeah. thing that I can think about is uh, Astral Chain in the sense of on ground the movement is solid, but mm-hmm. when you have like these 3D platforming parts, it's kind of like you may fall a lot. Yeah. Okay. Then and I'm gonna. And there's a point of contrast, like Shin Megami Tensei Four didn't have a jump button; it had an interact yeah. button with various yeah. ladders and like mount. Um, uh, mantleable ledges. I'm going to so, chalk this yeah, up. Yeah, that whole thing's new. Yeah, I'm going to chalk this up to growing pains then because that's what I think it is. Like, I like the concept. Getting to explore the area is very fun, but I just really wish that they had reconsidered a couple of their options for a traversal in this part. But anyway, that doesn't, like, that's just a quibble from now having played like close to 20 hours. It's just like a thing where, you know what I mean? Like, you start to hit stuff that you're like, it's grating on me a little. But like, mm-hmm the core stuff is still really enjoyable. And what I've been finding fun about the game is like, I am definitely overleveled still. I think (laughs) I'm like, I am just, I'm just obsessed with creating the most incredible. I got like a Siren up, which I think it's like the, the Ainu word for Fox. It's a a Siren up. It's a, it's a little Fox who floats. Um, But he's got, um, his agility is like so fast and like that none of the freaking enemies can hit him. So he's basically my like miss, but, but everyone wants to target him cause he's the weakest. So like the enemies will target him, but they'll all, like always miss him pretty much. Um, especially in like a direct attack, like sometimes magical hit a little, but then he's strong against it. So it's fine. But then like it'll miss, they'll lose their opponents. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And I gave him like, uh, He's got like all these buffs for the team and stuff, and it's just like, oh man, he's he's my favorite. He's got such a strong fire attack. I'm like, boo yeah, and it, but it's like all these combos from all the other monsters and then like essences, and I'm like, I can see where the fun is in this. Like half the fun is just yeah, like you developing your team. Yeah, right. And you got to really like that. But I will admit, you need breaks from it because it gets it's a lot. Um, it, it's a lot of menu stuff, and so for me, what I've been finding to be really successful is like playing and that's why i think it's so good on the switch because it it lends itself to like a couple runs right like okay go through i've got a goal of getting these monsters doing this little side quest hit a ley line save your game peace out for a little bit and then come back later and so like i've been finding it it's like it's so suited to pick up and put down um play um yeah like this is definitely a game where i'm like don't don't go too hard, you know? Like, I mean, in that being said, you will get into like 
you'll like really get into it. But I do find myself needing moments of break where I'm just like, okay, I've hit this threshold where I have a really strong team. So I'm just gonna take a break for a bit and I'm going to coast on this team for a little bit and then go back in and try and reassess and like get new monsters and stuff. But yeah, and that's the case with every RPG, right? Like you want a, yes. a game to sort of palette cleanse in between and, and keep it fresh. I think that's one of the reasons that Persona has always been so successful because essentially every yeah. time you're at the point where you're probably going to get a bit burnt out on the fighting, you've got a load of slice of life fucking social link stuff to get done. Yeah, it is and its it, own balanced cleanser. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Tyler. And it's almost why I think I prefer... I actually think, I think I'm starting to like this more than Persona 5 because um, I, like, personally, I'm enjoying the fact that it's just the good shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and not, now, not to say that, you know, they're not directly comparable, obviously, but, like, Persona 5 is definitely a game where it's like, man, like... You have to be willing to give over over 100 hours of your life to that. <laughs> you know, you have to like, you're like sacrificing a bit of your life at the altar of Persona <laughs> when you go into one yeah. of those games, which is awesome and needed. But like at my point in my life right now, it's like, I need something a little smaller. So like SMT5 being around 40-ish hours, I'm like, I can handle that. <laughs> um, is that sure? Yeah. Is it, really? Hang yeah. on, let me, let a me little logo of Persona cool. 5. Like, I know I'm oh, giving like yeah. that game chips, but... It mm-hmm. seems that I miss a lot of the good shit on my first run, so I'm kind of well, interested. If, if that game comes, like, came out yeah. the month, I might give it another go. I, I guess more like 50 to 60 hours. Like, I'm sure I'm going to sp- put in about 60-something hours into the game, I'm certain, because, like, I'm probably not yeah. on the low end. Um, but that's still... I mean, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. No, no, go Especially ahead, go if you're, like, demon mag- managing your team a lot. Like, yeah, I was just going to say, it pales... Time in- can't go by either. Yeah, but it pales in comparison to the length of Persona 5, which is like 97 and a half hours on main only. <laughs> like, it's also worth talking about like how much extra you are or aren't doing. So like as a contrast, like yeah. uh, 5 is showing 47 and a half main and 66 mm-hmm. main plus. 4 showed 43 and 62 respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I like finished 4 near 100% with like 87, 88 hours. Yeah. So like there is absolutely the capacity to make a hundred plus hour playthrough out of it. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't like. I I think maybe I don't know. You probably can put in hundred hours or so, or whatever. But like, I'm actually finding that in general, unless you just like battle a lot, which I guess you could do, there does seem to be like a kind of like I don't know. I'm sure there's a big post game thing of like hunting big monsters, big bosses kind of stuff. Like I can already see a hint at that coming into the first part. But in general, I feel like I'm like doing almost everything in the areas that I'm going to, and I'm already like well into the mid game. Um, so we'll see, but I, I assume this game, like, again, I, you, I think would know better than I would because SMT is still kind of like, I'm still in virgin territory for this. Um, so I assume that it's got like a major post game to it. Um, as many of these Japanese RPGs have, you know, like go fight the big monsters now. <laughs> it's more of a side quest um... situation is than anything. To be fair, like generally these games are pretty, pretty sort of distinct ends. Um, so it's, it's all sort of happening before a point of no return, usually. Usually, might yeah. Be different, I don't know. In the case of Apocalypse, you have both the alignment system with the different endings, and also you have a complete, like, different dungeon that is completely optional. Ooh. And at least for my playthrough, I remember taking about 20 hours extra over like the uh, already like 60 something hour playthrough just to beat that dungeon before going to the 
Crikey. I still haven't decided if I'm going to play Apocalypse before or after 5. That's a whole dilemma going on. Anyway, Just... Alex, sorry, this is your completion. Yep. You're playing, rather. Who kind of took um, over? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, no, anyway, I, I, I'm just, like, I'm really liking it. I'm glad that this one has hooked me, you know? Like, I, because I always sort of felt a little, like, disappointed that I've never been able to, like, kind of, like, get into these games, so... Um, you could say it's finally sunk its SM teeth in. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, how do you kick? Oh, wait, we can't kick from, kick from the group because he created it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. He made the call. We're screwed. <laughs> it's just game over. Oh, you have no power here. Game over, man. Game over. Oh, I can mute him. Okay, no. Oh, there we go. All right, so I'm also playing um, Mass Effect 3 right now, which I've been having a very fun time with this game. Because um, honestly, when I thought about it, like I've replayed 1 and 2, I think, three times now, including the most recent one that I've done. Um, maybe more than that, actually. One, maybe I've done four times. Um, but this one, I've never replayed Mass Effect 3. I did it that one time, and that was it. And I think... Partially, it's because, like, when this game came out, there was a lot to do with, there's this, like, war assets component to it. So you're, like, because, yeah, the whole game is around this big, I'm not, I don't want to spoil things, but we'll just say, like, there's a, there's stuff that is being set up in the first and second that holy hell pays off in the third, for sure. Um, and you're in a big war. And so a lot of what you're doing is trying to gather um, assets and like gather allies and gather, you know, materials for the war. And when the game first started, they actually had an, they had a cell phone app where you could send like you had like agents that you could send on missions that would help you like increase your war asset goal. And it was like it was kind of like an idle game. But like the, the idea was that you could actually manage and look at like your war assets at the time and you could like. Um, as you're playing or something, you can like check and like send people on missions and just leave it there and keep playing. And then you can like check it. and like, it was kind of cool. <laughs> kind of dug it. Um, I could tell that it was probably just like a money thing, but I don't even really, cause I, oh, I think mate, I don't know. There must've been microtransactions in it. I'm sure there were, I, I can't even well, imagine a world where there was. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe ad supported. Kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of deal. And so Mass Effect 3 to me is kind of a miracle because it feels as though it is a good game in spite of everything EA was trying to do to them, <laughs> you know, like, um, and mm. you also sort of see, I, you can like see the warning signs in some ways um, for like what was to come with Andromeda, but I also think that it's just like mechanically, it's just their most solid one, right? Like it's just... The combat is very fun. At one point, though, I was like, why is this so easy? And I went to check my settings, and for some goddamn reason, it was on casual for a couple of missions. And I was like, what the, what the, what? <laughs> and so, like, I bumped it up to, like, hardcore, because I was like, no. I, like, because, again, if you've played one and two, and then you transfer your progress over, you're actually, you're actually quite leveled up, which I have to say is really, really awesome because it makes it feel as though your character really is continuing the earlier experience, right? Mm. So you actually maintain experience from your earlier runs and your earlier games. So it doesn't feel like that shit where it's just like, oh, you restart and blah. But I also have to say, <laughs> wow, Bioware painted themselves into one hell of a corner with that second game 
because, and this isn't really spoilers, but let's just say everybody on your team in Mass Effect 2 can permanently die. Ah. Which means <laughs> there. This is why Mass Effect Three to me is one of the oh greatest feats of video game design I've ever seen. Because now, some of those characters that you could play as can become companions, like people that you actually like have in your party in this game. But like all the characters from that second game, they show up in this third game. And so, like, and they impact the missions that you go on. And, like, when you think about it, it's fucking nuts. Because I don't know what it's like, because I've saved them all. But, like, there are missions where I'm like, if you don't save that character, what the fuck happens? Like, what other character is in there? There must be a whole other character that they input, or they just don't exist in this. And then you have, like, dire consequences to your mission because you Mm -hmm. don't have that important person. And I'm like, holy crap. The web matrix of, like, how they must have plotted this game out is absurd like absolutely absurd and to the point anyway like there are full missions where i'm like these missions fully rely around these two characters is it just not in the game if you don't do that or is it in the game but like uh, 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 like you know it's just kind of like um it's it's wild it's fucking wild (laughs) well the eventualities they would have had to have baked in yeah yeah i uh, my head aches just thinking about the eventualities to be honest but anyway uh, i'm having really fun i've been actually playing it with so you can kind of do the missions all with it, but i've sort of been um using not like a guide per se but just like a thing that gives you like a recommended route to play through because like some missions are like do lock off certain things so like okay do you know what I mean? And I'm like, the first time I played it, I didn't do that. I just went with it, you know, did the consequences. But I'm like, oh God, it's not my first rodeo. I would like to do this in an optimized way. <laughs> so you just, I'm yeah, just kind of good. And it's also kind of like the way that this person sort of laid it out is like, they're like, this is actually kind of like a fun way to do it too, because like you're actually going to get like a nice variety in your missions, which um, to me is very fun. So anyway, um, Mass Effect 3, I recommend it. It's all on Game Pass now. Fuck yeah. Like, get that shit in your veins. Play some Mass Effect if you haven't played it, because damn, it's good. Um, all right, you ready for the the VR gauntlet? Let's do this. <laughs> so um, I've been playing a shit ton of VR games. I've probably spent too much money on VR already, but Fanatical had two VR fucking bundles. For like 10 bucks, they had like eight or nine v- uh, Quest 2 games. Like actually just Quest 2 games. It's like a buck a game. And there were some really good games in there. Like at first I was like, uh, it's probably all bullshit. But then I was like looking at reviews in them and I'm like, oh, oh, these are like good games. <laughs> so I was like, okay, bought that bundle. And then they had another build your own bundle of PC VR titles. So I'm drowning in VR titles right now. I, I-, I have too many. <laughs> um, one of the ones that I I crazy recommend is in death unchained it's a roguelite i talked about a little bit before it's a bow and arrow roguelite Mm, this shit is good so like with locomotion everything it is so much fun but you basically go through this like like medieval looks like you know medieval church floating in air and you're going through like purgatory and like all these different things and there are like these you know like monster archers and these like knights templar who come at you and these weird zombie guys but the thing is as you're playing your runs 
And I was like, of course it does this. Because I first I was like, oh, is it just this all the time? No, 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 no. It's a roguelike, my dude. So each time you go through, as you like unlock little um, challenges that you're going through, there's like 126 challenges in like the purgatory one or whatever. Um, new enemies, new items, new things will spawn throughout it. I got a bow and arrow that was, it's like a, it's like a homing bomb. So like you shoot it and it homes in on the enemy and are like, ah! and then you got like ones that set them on fire, freeze arrows. You have one that shoots at like a barrage of needles at people. Like, oh man, it is like, and when you get into, oh, dude, like at first I was bad at this, but there is nothing more satisfying than just like you turn around a corner and you're like flip, flip, flip. And you just like headshot three motherfuckers right in a row. And you just feel awesome. Cause you're like, I did that. I headshotted those motherfuckers. <laughs> like I pulled that goddamn arrow back and I whipped it out. And like, oh, dude, I can't even, I just, I can't even describe the feeling of like, like, I get it, man. VR is fun. <laughs> um, and on that kind of level, um, I also played, this was in the bundle on Fanatical, which I thought this would be kind of stupid, but it's really fun. It's Zombieland Headshot Fever. So, you know, the Zombieland movies. Um Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got some really terrible character models of those <laughs> actors. <laughs> like they look so stupid. They don't even really like. You know what? It, you know what it is. They look enough like them to know that it's them, that did, but not enough like them to need their permission. The license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. And their voices, you can tell they're just different actors, but they're not quite. But it, it's base. It's an on rail shooter essentially. Um. So it's it's like uh it's just like a light gun game. And it's really fun because like, uh, this is where I was like, who needs light gun games anymore, man? Put on VR headset. Those are light gun games. Um, And so it it scratches that itch of like, I just want to go in, rack up some scores. They have like little missions you can do to unlock this like final thing. And like, it's really quick, simple, easy. Like I've almost beaten it actually only playing in like an hour and like a half or so. Um, And then obviously there's like lots of replayability there. But like, if you grab that fanatical bundle, it's really worth it. Like, I don't think I would have liked to pay a premium for this, but like as a small, fun, arcadey shooter, really great. Like think of... uh, house of the dead or like you know or type of the dead you know <laughs> but like think of those games right like it's it's that basically it's just silly uh like you know fun zombie head shooting um cool so that's zombie land headshot god damn uh beat saber still playing i actually got my partner to try it because i wanted i wanted her i was like i want you to like see uh vr and got her playing the billy eilish ones and she was like, oh. the perfect entryway game as well and it's also because like at first you're like what is this i don't know about this and then as you get it you're like oh and like you really start to get into it you know um so that was really i was just having a fun time watching her play and i was like this is awesome um so yeah still doing that in terms of rhythm games i'm playing one called ragnarok which is a fucking dope this is a drumming game this is rock band drums basically um but you're on a viking ship and the whole idea is that you're like the way it works is that you're beating the drums for your like for the vikings to like row and so the way you like win is like how far you get your vikings to row um and there's like bronze almost silver, like gold. a norse pattern yeah yes yes actually yes very much and okay. it, the songs that it use are like heavy metal songs and like like Ooh. Celtic, like East Coast music, and it, this is my fucking jam. And I'm just like, like it's so much fun. And the thing is, um, 
I think some people might get frustrated when they first start it because you might find that like, oh, the drums aren't kind of registering, but it has really excellent drum and hammer settings that let you adjust everything. And you just need to spend like, like, like one minute in the settings, just adjusting the height of the drums. And then you're like hammer and like all of that. And like, there's these shields that are like your combo shields. And once you've got them at the right height, my dude it's perfect it just works right and like you're just sitting there going like once you get into the you get into these flow states and like oh oh it's fun um and you can you can do like custom songs within and everything but i think you have to make the custom song i don't know i haven't looked up enough yet on how that part works because they're probably trying to skirt around some uh um you know legal legal situations yeah yeah so anyway ragnarok's great I really recommend it. I got it on sale again. A lot of these were just sale games that I was like, hmm, I'll research them. Like, this looks good. Because they do like a daily deals thing. Some of the deals aren't even deals. They'll be like, it's 9% off. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not driving with 9% off. That's like three bucks on some of these games. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm but good. that's a steal. <laughs> I know, right? But then some of them are like 20%. You're like, hell yeah, that was, that was this one. Um, okay, so doing Ragnarok. Uh, I'm playing Journey of the Gods still. That's the kind of like Zelda-y one where you got your sword and shield. Uh, it's very, very simple. Like this is this is a simple game, but I, I respect it for trying to give like an actual kind of story to it and like allowing you to go through multiple things. I think I'm almost halfway through it. Um, it's got some really interesting ideas. I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, there's still quite a lot of like moving around, like walking through environments without... Like, I kind of wish there were a few more puzzles in it, actually. I think that's maybe the thing that I am kind of was, like, hoping for a little more of. Um, but overall, I, I'm finding it enjoyable. It, it's, like, it's kind of like an average game, you know? Like, I'd give it kind of, like, maybe, like, a 7. But there's not a lot of experiences like this um, in VR yet where it's, like, you know, a full kind of full-fledged adventure. Um, that's still something that's kind of being worked on. And, again, something that I'm finding a lot with VR right now is that I think we're just moving out of with things like Alex and all of the, you know, these bigger games, Resident Evil 4 and whatnot coming out. Um, we're moving into that area where like people are realizing like, oh, people have built up tolerances in VR. We can do longer, more involved um, games. Whereas when it first came out, a lot of them kind of by necessity were short, fun experiences that are kind of pick up, put down, which makes a lot of sense. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're first figuring it out, you want to pick up, put down. But I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of some of these longer ones. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, another one, virtual, virtual reality. It's like a kind of a joke game that I find kind of pretty fun. It's like a future where I think the humans are dead and like humans have basically like, like robots control the world essentially. And they seem to like breed humans for work and they give them like numbers and you have to put these virtual reality headsets on and help things. Like my first task was helping a large piece of butter, um put perfect toast on it as it like quite sexually suggested how good that felt (laughs) i was like what the fuck it's very cartoony but then it goes wild weird places and at one point i'm helping this giant ziggurat which is actually an entire city relive memories of humans um it's like an electrical grid like it's a it's a cool game it's like a narrative fun interesting game um that i recommend it gives me major portal vibes in a lot of ways like tone wise um but yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um and lastly and the piece de resistance i've been playing uh, i caved i was like maybe i'll wait one day for this game to be slightly on sale it'll never be on sale this game is a system seller resident evil 4 vr it's so fucking good (laughs) like 
holy shit is RE4 it's a whole new it's a whole new game man like when you play it cuz like they really like they it they made it a new thing like cuz they tweaked the um the enemies as well to really cuz like you have full motion they have to. yeah yeah that essentially break the game yeah and they tweaked it cuz it feels as stressful as RE4 feels um but even more so because i got to fucking un- grab my reload the t- cock the gun go ah! <laughs> shoot like this and like grab my grenade unpin it throw it at them and like stab them in the fucking head like oh man like i'm telling you it's just like it's awesome the only thing that i wish and and i understand they're kind of put in between a rock and a hard place where like the cutscenes and like jumping through windows and like kicking people y- like the cutscenes you- it's like you're watching them on a giant screen basically um they're still 2d and i kind of understand that because like the story couldn't really like if you put it all in leon's perspective it wouldn't work because that's not how the story was created right like those cutscenes sometimes show you from the perspective of other characters right um and it would might actually be kind of lame if it was just through leon's perspective because you might just see this like really tiny dude up on a giant platform talking to you and you'd be like what <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I actually think that the cutscene stuff works fine. And again, the kicking, I do kind of wish we could have seen it, but I think that the, one of the reasons they didn't do it is because I'm sure they tested it a lot and getting the leg to feel appropriate would have probably been weird, especially because you don't really see your full body, which I think is a quest two limitation. Cause I've noticed in some other VR and PC VR, often you can see your full body sometimes in those, but I've noticed in Quest 2 that that's not a thing. And I, and I suspect that there is a limitation thing going on here. Um, you'll see items on your body that you can use. Like you'll still grab things off of you, but it's just your hands that you're seeing. I could be wrong, but I have a feeling. Um, and I'm sure that that's a little complicated as well. But uh, yeah, if you have a Quest 2, this is a goddamn no-brainer. Like it is just... And this is my like fourth or fifth replay of Resident Evil 4 probably. And it just feels brand new again. And like holding those guns and looking at them and like your knife and like, man, that knife looks big. It's like, <sighs> it's so good. And like, I don't know what it is, but like picking up the herbs and stuff and you're like looking at the herbs and you're like, nice. And then like to heal yourself with the first aid spray, you grab the spray off your shoulder and you spray yourself. And you're like, booyah. It's just, I love VR so much. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's it. Sorry for the long-winded one on here. Maybe our episode will be long today. But uh, Rick, why don't you tell us about what you're playing? <laughs> this is the thing. I've had a very busy week, so by contrast, I've actually not got very much to say at all. Oh, so, um, let's start with Boxboy and Boxgirl, because I said I'd come back to that post-game campaign. Um, the only real difference is that the character you're playing, instead of being one by one, is like two by one. And you can tilt yourself vertically and horizontally. So what that means is you essentially have a whole other sort of realm of possibilities in terms of the boxes that you build and the shapes that you build. You're doing all the same things, but the way in which you can take advantage of them um, is utterly changed by that one small thing. It's also clearly where the developers have put all of their energy in terms of more challenging levels, in terms of pushing you, the player, a little bit further. I like that a lot. I like that approach. It's definitely been interesting, and that's where I've actually found the skill set that I've built up over three and a half of these games now really being put to the test. Um, it's great, and I 
expect that I'll have it finished, if not for next week, the week after the absolute latest, because I'm already more than halfway through that as well. It Again, just so easy to pick up for a couple of levels and put straight back down again um, because of the nature of the game and the nature of it being on the Switch. So plenty more of that to come, and I'm loving every minute of it. Um, I'm technically still playing The Witcher. I'm technically still playing Crimson Shroud. I haven't touched either of them this past week. Um, I've played a little bit more of It Takes Two. For those that have played it, um, I'm coming up to the halfway point. I'm in the... Um, I mean, the, I've just gone past the big dinosaur section where you've got like a um, one player playing as like the Ankylosaurus type thing and one playing as like the Brontosaurus type thing. Uh, oh. And I'm doing, I'm doing hand gestures that mean absolutely nothing to people that are listening at home. But they, they it is so much of it. Like, uh, we're just like in that uh, section where my boyfriend and it's it, it just, I love it. And this is the thing. The game has so much imagination. There's so many little set pieces that it does clever things with. And it has the confidence to try them and then forget them. Like there's a whole fidget spinner mechanic that you use for all of five minutes and then just disappears again. And I think it really speaks. And I think I've said this a couple of times. That really speaks to uh, the developer's ability and the developer's confidence that they can do something like that and be like, yep, yeah, done now. Try the next thing. Um it also keeps the game so fresh. Uh, not that it necessarily needed that because co-op can often lift in a lot of ways for you in lieu of stuff like that. But having it is a big bonus also. Um, so having a lot of fun with that still. Um, the one I've still been playing, the one that I expected to be finished with but have not been yet is Sable. This game is such a vibe. The colours and the game feel... And the music by an artist who I love called Japanese Breakfast feels like deja vu. I think I said all of that last week, but the game is just such a relaxing, wonderful, calm, ambient time um, and such a, a change from anything else I've been playing recently. It's really, really excellent. I think I would have been happy buying this. The fact that I've been able to sort of blag it on the, on the game pass is a happy bonus, but the game has very much lived up to what I saw when I first tried out the demo. The only personal sadness is that it is struggling a little bit on my hardware. Um, that hasn't got any better for over the past couple of weeks. Like when I'm in the open world, I'm on the bike. It definitely chugs a little bit. I've got a few micro stutters here and there. Um, but otherwise, like when I'm on foot, game runs beautifully. I really like the loop as well. I like the idea that you've just got to go and talk to people and work out what each sort of faction requires to give you their uh, badges. I still haven't got a mask yet. I've got all the badges for the cartographer mask. Haven't uh, redeemed it yet, so that'd be interesting to see what sort of functionality the masks add. Um, but even in terms of everything that's there now, the game is just a wonderful exploration of a space. I'm in a little bit two minds about the way that it handles navigation in that respect, though. So you can put waypoints on the map, and it's clearly designed around you using sort of custom waypoints. The problem is every waypoint looks exactly the same. They're all the same blue shape. Uh, and when you pull up your little sort of radial um, navigation compass thing, you just see points with no reference to sort of relative distance um to what they might be highlighting so it almost renders that system redundant 
and it means I, I had to sort of stop and check the map way more than I really, really wanted to. Um, that said, the the landscape does a good enough job of sort of naturally guiding you towards things. So I don't think that was ever massively a problem. Um, so yeah, a week of very much sort of more of the same from me. I'm expecting that there'll be a couple of new games in there in the next week or so as I'm sort of coming to a natural end point on a few of the games I'm playing. Nice. Um, but for now, that's where I am. From where I am to Game Jam, a little bit of rhyme there. Paola, as we've alluded to, you had a Game Jam recently and Alex and I, and I'm sure the audience at home, want to know all about it. Yeah. Okay, so I took part on the Global Game Jam with my boyfriend. And the Global Game Jam is like, well, a global kill event where developers or like aspiring developers from all over the world uh, just make groups and have like 48 hours to to create a game. This year was a little bit different because they actually like put out the theme of the game jam on the 20th. Mm. As opposed to what they usually do is that is reveal it on Friday and and then you you brainstorm and work on the thing. So we look up the theme like on Thursday, so we could brainstorm some ideas, which I had the entirety of the cork board full of. So hmm. that was a lot of fun, and then we pretty much like completed a little game with we. Which we call Shadow Pad. Um, that's the the whole gist of it. And on Sunday, we actually have like a closing event where, like, all of the little games that were uploaded were shown on video or like on a stream. Nice. So, how big was this competition? Like, um, like how many participants were in it? That is a very good question. Like, just in my, like, um. On the one that um, I guess, like in the San Joaquin, I guess section of the game jam here in Chile, uh, there were like seventeen groups. I want to say, but none of them all full. So, for example, some of them were like of two or three people, like mine, because mm. my boyfriend and I decided like to try to make something like just the two of us. Because when you have many People like trying to build again. It kind of gets a little bit chaotic. Yeah. And there were other groups with six people. So I guess a conservative estimate would be like 40 people just in this one. And there's, I know there was like another one here in Chile, which I don't know like how many people were there. And well, it is all over the world. So in each country, there there were at the very least like one or two. Um, little places where you could either go or just do like the game jam and try leave remotely, which we did. Which, by the way, doing the thing remotely was a lifesaver because, oh my god, having only 48 hours to complete a product is is a challenge. Yeah. It's a real challenge. And having the ability, like, what? Oh, I was just saying, you could say that again. <laughs> yeah, and being like, 
able to sleep in an actual bed and not like under the table or like on a one of these mats you use for exercise is sorry but i'd rather sleep two or three hours in a bed that a whole night under the table just saying i'm being able like to eat healthy or just like heat up your lunch or something like that is is beautiful i can eat well i can sleep well and i can just uh relax a little bit in my home when we are like I don't know, brain it after like 10 hours of trying to come up with something over there. So I mean, that that was beautiful. I was just going to say like that to me sounds like it would make all the difference too. Like, I mean, I think a large part of, at least in my experience, creating is like doing so in at least decent conditions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Yeah, having to create in just like horrifically like when you're way overtired it's just I don't know some people thrive on that but like I know for sure I am not one of those people <laughs> I am not one of those people either so just like and the funny thing is that I'm more of an early bird and my boyfriend is more of a night owl so when mm. I wake up he goes to sleep so there were there was always like a moment with, uh, when someone was developing the game oh that kind of works nice huh yeah. yeah, that kind of worked nicely because uh, we weren't like, I guess I um, touching like the same scenes at the same time on Unity. Oh, we used Unity right away. We made this, uh, this game was like on a 3D plane or a 3D environment. Mm-hmm. And as you guys saw, we, uh, you had to guide this little red dot from the starting area to the uh, to the goal, but you had to cast shadows with a lamp, hmm. uh, so, so you you would be able to guide it. Can you share a little bit with us, like where your inspiration came from when you were when you were designing this? Yeah, like how do you guys so how do you the guys chapter- brainstorm? Yeah, the theme was duality, mm-hmm. right? And at the at the beginning, we were trying to come up like with okay. Light and shadow, water and fire, um, detective and an assassin. I don't know. We were we had all these little concepts like very much on uh, pinned on the board mm. and trying to decide it on one. But the thing that happened is that we were trying to take uh, this very interesting topic and put in like in a not so interesting uh, gameplay or a more generic gameplay and. The innovation came more on the story rather than gameplay. So what we ended up doing was, hey, let's flip everything around and let's think about a gameplay and how do we make that gameplay work with the theme. Mm. So my boyfriend ended up having like the idea of guiding the little dot on the shadows. And then I was like, hey, this screams puzzle game. Let's make a puzzle game out of this. Nice. And uh, we opened up Unity, in, and instead of immediately crafting the puzzles, we played around with the idea of, okay, what can we do here? And after having a bunch of ideas, we ended up like uh, deciding, okay, these are the, like the main mechanics, and we're going to do levels in this way. So there's actually like twice the, as many levels in that that 
but like half of them didn't make it into the final product because they they weren't as simplistic or the there were like multiple ways to clear them, which we tried not to like not not to enable that hmm. uh, to some extent. Hmm. Yeah, yeah and I imagine the, you're uh, like you want to keep it not too too intense for your first <laughs> like for the first pass, right? Yeah, um, since we've participated in another two game jams previously, we knew that if we beat too much, we weren't we was we wouldn't be able to properly finish a game. So we said, okay, this is what we, the we can do. These are the main mechanics. Um, we are gonna do the levels this way. So let's design a few levels this way. That's cool. And um, let's explore the each idea until there wasn't like uh, any more of it. Yeah. Nice. And and what lesson would you say you took from this one that you might sort of take as you have with other ones into this into future game jams? Well, first of all, sleeping works. <laughs> sleeping is very yep. important. Can concur. And. Also, the the way we approach it, because we first started like making a prototype, and then we said, "Okay, let's pretty this up or let's polish this up." So, yeah, you like found trying the prototype to... really helped. Yeah, yeah, the prototype really really helped. Well, the entire thing's a prototype, but yeah, like being able like to play with the different ideas before like going full into the game or like full into development mode save us a long a lot of time in the long run mm. and taking like that extra time with the brainstorming uh actually help us because that wasn't like the fir the first full-fledged idea quote-unquote that was like i want to say that like the 50th um like gotcha. duality concept and like the temp full fledged idea that finally hit. Right. So okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um actually prototyping and testing it out and trying it out. It's like, okay, now we know this actually works as an idea. Yeah, because you want to know that first before I don't know, investing on the art or investing on the models. Yeah. Or just investing time into it because then you lose like a lot of time. And one of the, we, we've been watching a lot of like game developer tips and tricks and journals and stuff like that. And one of the things that kills like half of the games is that halfway through you realize this is some fun to play. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of fucked at that point. Yep. Um, do you mind if we jump in now a little bit? Because we both played it and <laughs> curious to talk about Oh yeah, about. go ahead. I want to hear your your thoughts about it. First off, I think I, the idea well, is really great. Like I like like as as I went into it, I was like, okay, okay, this is interesting. Um, oh, sorry, Rick, you wanted to mention something too. I think. I you no, know, I was going to say that, but I was also going to say it reminded me of a couple of other games that sort of play with that similar idea. So there was um there was a game on Wii that did something like that where you were a shadow uh, and you used shadow mm. to like build platforms for yourself. And I, I found myself thinking about the way that light casts shadow in similar ways to that. 
if you can remember, if you're listening, what that game is called, because I flipping well can't, pop it in the comments down below. Hit the like button while you're there. Thank you in advance. Uh, but also, there was a game called Contrast um, that was like PC and Multiplat. That again, similar kind of thing, although both of those had less of a puzzle bent. Um, mm. I also found that it was making me move in different ways in terms of coordinating mouse and button movements in a way that you wouldn't ordinarily with both of those inputs. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, mm. The main drawback for me, and this is something that you said you knew was a, a problem with it, pal, and I suppose this is mm-hmm. one, of, one of the conceits of early versions made in a very time-constrained manner. Um, the movement of the light source was very, very choppy. Mm. And that, yeah. that was a bit of a problem coordinating everything, but that that's just a quirk of it. That wasn't necessarily a fault with the game design and the mechanic itself. Which is interesting because like in the Unity prototype, before building the project, it wasn't as choppy. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from uh, a change my boyfriend made after the, the game jump too. Oh, okay. Because what happens is that we had a little problem of the lamp kind of like saying, fuck this, my planet needs me. <laughs> because it didn't have like enough drag, so the movement wasn't quite as controlled. So in the end, we opted for making it a little bit more choppy, like and at the very least until we can actually solve the problem and had it like go smoothly. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think that was my actually yeah. my issue as I was going through it because I found that. Um, it would bug out on me sometimes. Like I would, I'd be moving it and then suddenly the light source would flash off and I would lose the game. And I'm like, no. <gasps> yeah. So it would do this cause I'm holding it. And like, oh, sometimes it was like, it got too sensitive or something and it would just go like, and like it would stutter for a split second. And But see, this is, and do you know when it does that? It does that when you get too close to the large pylons and things. So yeah. I think this is actually, you know, it's fun. I want to talk about this because I was watching um, Game Maker's Toolkit. He was doing his video on his like attempt to make a game. Um, and he was talking about when he first showed it to his like family. And then his wife was like, what the hell? Why can't I do this shit here? And then suddenly he's like, oh, no, let's <laughs> do all this stuff. Because I think, you know, you give it to us and suddenly we just do whatever we want with it. You know what I mean? Like it's like suddenly we just start playing around. Yeah. And I mentioned this to Paolo because I noticed that there was a, <laughs> there was like one map where I could tell that there was like on the floor there was raised platforms and I was like, oh, that's meant to stop me. And then I moved over and my guy just, my lamp just went right through it and I like just shoved it up and like brute forced my way through. And I went, I don't think I did that right. <laughs> like at that moment where I was like, I don't think I was supposed to do that. Uh, and that's when I stopped yeah. actually because there was a maze level that I thought was really neat, but I could just go right through the maze and I went, I should probably stop here and wait and I'll wait for another build when that part is kind of like working in wait, there. Cause... You could go through the through the maze? There was no collision in the maze. I could move everywhere in it. Like, <laughs> I was able to move all over the place. What? Yeah, I, I don't oh know what God, happened. Oh my God, we have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out because something happened. I was just like, I was zooming through that maze. I was like, wee! Like, I went all over. <laughs> I was like, oh. But then sometimes things would collide. Like, the, the pylon, some of the pylons uh, would collide. You know what it seemed like? It seemed as though things that the light, that shadows could be cast off of, seemed to be fine. But things on the floor didn't. So that's why I was like, there's something mm. going on there. 
Um, I also found that like, and this is all minuscule stuff, but I figured this is useful for you <laughs> since, you know, playing it. But Yeah, it is very useful for me. Okay, good. I noticed that with the WASD, like with the keys, um, when the lamp doesn't move quickly, so like the shadow feels a little jerky. Like it, it feels to me like as I'm moving the lamp, it, it didn't quite feel as though like, as though the shadow was like moving smoothly, it felt more like the shadow was jerking. And the problem with that was that sometimes I would have my my little dot in one spot, and then as I'm moving the lamp, it would jerk out and I'd lose because I was like, oh, yeah. no, no, I was, yeah, yeah, right. You're like, no, I'm just trying to move my shadow yeah. right here. But like, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like for it to work really nicely, it's like, I need those shadows to seamlessly move. And it felt more like they were jumping from one position to another in some, in some ways. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know why it does that because my little brain, no Cody good. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm going to be honest. I have an, an idea what could be causing it, but oh. again, we're going to have to debug the shit out of it. <laughs> that's right. But that's what this whole, that's what the next process is. Right. And then one other thing yeah. that I found is that the dot itself it's 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 fairly floaty in the sense that like I'll push mm. and then when I let go of my key it doesn't stop right it floats there's a little bit of momentum to it yeah yeah so it feels I didn't like mind that though personally see I wouldn't mind that if no I mind it actually um, and the reason I mind it is because it's a precise <laughs> puzzle game do you know what I mean yeah like so for me yeah. because it's a precise puzzle game and I need the dot to stop where I want it to stop as I'm moving along. Um, that little bother me. Now, if the light was smoother, maybe I wouldn't care. Do you know what I mean? But whereas the light was so sort of, yeah, you know, if the dot feels like it has an acceleration. Remember that Shin Megami Tensei uh-huh. shit I was telling you about? Actually, that's kind of what it feels like a little bit. Where like, oh, where you're moving your character, it's slow, and then you suddenly go fast. Um, but then when I let mm-hmm. go of it, it's like, well, my dot, my dot, when I let go of the key, doesn't stop. My dot drifts about, I don't know, an inch. I don't know. Yeah, an amount. Yeah. yeah. Which maybe that's something you want in it. Which, cool. <laughs> but it's just something I noticed <laughs> that felt a little off to me. I was like, oh, why, is my, why am I drifting a little bit? Um, but as for the puzzles, that was pretty dope. Uh, it was fun every time I see one, I go, all right, what the hell am I supposed to do here? But it was just like, I think that's where I was getting frustration is because I actually felt like I knew kind of what I had to do, but I was bumping up against mechanical things that were stopping me a little bit from yep. doing the things I wanted to. Yeah. Um, because I feel like your concept, which I feel like this is probably the best news you can get when you're making a game, is that like yeah. conceptually it's great. And I'm like, I want to complete the puzzles. I was just bumping up against. And so the mechanical shit, that's shit you can fix, you know? Hmm. But like, about concept, who boy? Yeah, right. If the concept doesn't work, then there's no finesse in that you could do. To, you know what I mean? But yeah. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, that's, really, <laughs> that's very carefully, and it, it is very reassuring that more people find the mechanic like interesting or fun because uh, that gave us like a little bit more confidence to say, okay, we we actually want to refine this shit. Like, you, like this to me. I, Personally, it feels like, you know, with more window dress, like, you know, if you pretty this up a little more and like, you know, mm-hmm. have a little thing on it, like, oh, I could easily see this being a game, right? Like this as being a puzzle <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, like I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no worries, but I I see no world wherein that's not possible. You know what I mean? It's just it's just that yeah that stuff there that has to be a little. Also made me realize, Jesus, <laughs> so much can go wrong when you make a little game. <laughs> like you know, one yeah. tweak it changes everything. <laughs> yeah, about that, like oh yeah, oh my I... god, and even. That that flows nicely into our question of this week. We were all having exactly the same thought. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ubek said, an interesting game jam stories. And yeah, I have a bunch here. <laughs> nice. Uh, first of all, uh, the the little lamp item I I made, the first, I don't know what happened, but it wouldn't light up. Like... It would be like a dark item into the Unity map, and in the end, I just had to like do an UV map, whatever that means, and like just map the the faces of the things so it would actually like collide with the light and stuff like that, and put like a texture on it. And what happened next is that hey, you you usually want to lock the movement if you don't want your stuff to fly away. Because uh, one of the things that happened is that the when when the thing collided, it would like start shaking and like gaining momentum, <laughs> and it just started either floating or it would just nope out of the map. Oh man, that is a very and... funny visual. Just this lamp going. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm thinking like those YouTube poops where the arms just slowly like stretch arms strung out and just like go all over the place. Hmm? Yeah, more or less. Or when I was like actually modeling it, which by the way, this is like the second uh, model I make on Blender. The first one was a tutorial, so I could like actually know what the hotkeys were. Um. Oh my god, Blender and its fucking hotkeys. Like everything is mapped to a key in the keyboard, and and you have to learn like all the combinations. And at some point, I was making my lamp, and then like I flip it over, and I realized I didn't select like one of the vertices. So like one side was pretty, and the other side was a monstrous mess. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to restart this part because um, this doesn't look like a lamp from here. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> there oh, were like wow. many more moments like that <laughs> i feel like this is the the joys of game design it's like half the time um and i you know thinking about this too it's like from my extremely limited experience but like even just when you're creating like like all of the software you use it's it's a bit like playing a game right like you learn um you learn the controls and then you get like a workflow going and then you take three days off and you come back and you go fuck how did i do anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like i'm sure you get like blender and like even i think about it like i use things like premiere pro and stuff or like i use in like to edit my videos and i feel like every time i come back i have to like remember how everything works again (laughs) like shit how did i do that thing before uh thank god we live in the era of google and tutorials though right (laughs) Yeah, that is just marvelous because otherwise, I don't think that game would be, would have been like completed like the prototype in forty eight hours. Like we were still like trying to figure out like how to bring that lamp back to Earth at that point. 
spent the whole time going, my lamp is in outer space and I can't get it working. <laughs> like, that's definitely a sentence <laughs> you only hear in a game have a problem here. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. That's good. Like, of course, there were like very a lot of happy accidents, like how we achieved the lighting. I don't know what might be from press, but suddenly the lighting was cool, and I was like, "Yeah, we're keeping that." But then we uh, we were having a problem that the the level wasn't like transitioning, and the thing was is that there was a thing like getting in the way of his trying to move around stuff in the level, hmm. and he pretty much like. I don't want to say that he hid a piece of of the thing, but he deactivated. Yeah, he deactivated the 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 thing that made the the level hoping happen. Mm. And he was like for half an hour trying to figure out what happened. Why wasn't it working? It was like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Please, just just, just kill me now. <laughs> Honestly, like. When looking at things like this, like game gens and stuff and um, starting game design, it, it reminds me that it is in and of itself a miracle any games exist. Because <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah. like... Oh, the amount of like, stuff that can go wrong. So much, mm. Yeah, so much can go wrong. And again, like, I don't know who the first person who said, hey, let's make, let's make a game for this system. I, I don't know who who was the visionary who did that, but, but they oh my god, like trying insane. to they they must have been very very insane. Not 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 just a little. You you just you don't just come out with something like that and it works. Like the, there must have been like so much try and, and error, especially because like the older computers didn't have like better compatibility, so you had to program everything all over again. Yeah, a little I mean, bit with the with the consoles now, but we know how the shit works now. Yeah, at least you can run and test things pretty easily um, these days. Like you can actually just like compile your game pretty quickly and actually just play it. Versus, yeah, yeah. back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah. dope. Any other any other stories for us, pal? I don't know. I um, maybe from the other game jams because for one game jam in particular, I was the artist. I, I, to the artist, we were making like a two point five D game, which is mm -hmm. probably like on my game jam profile, which is called Lightless. The artist ready, and there were a couple of things that made into the final version, and that one was like not online. So we were there and Aaron was there too. And I remember we were showing off the game. And I don't know what happened, but someone like probably like forgot to put a collider. Like so the character wouldn't fall off a platform and a collider like at the bottom. So you would like hit it and respond. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, so now we're going to make it like to the final boss of, of this area. Which by the way, the the area didn't have like any... Well, any source of light that was in the game. Oh, that, that the theme of that game was waves. And as okay. a character walk, it make like wave sounds. And they were like, um, what's the name of this insect that makes light? Oh, um, fireflies. Yeah, yeah fireflies. It. 
um there were like fireflies that the ones that were in range in range of the of the wave would just light up and then you could like mm -hmm. see where you're moving mm -hmm. the thing is for the platform little segment we have it was some fun and we fell i fell i think i was the one playing and i fell i continued fa falling falling <laughs> Uh, and we were like, yeah, this is probably the end of the demo. Oh my god. <laughs> and that's the end. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> and that's the end. Goodbye, everyone. So I'm kind of like happy because this one is like the first actual game that you can actually beat. I don't think anyone was able to beat Lightless, not even us, the devs. So if the devs can't beat beautiful. it, <laughs> yeah, if the devs can beat it, what can you do there? Yeah. Although to be fair, I do feel like um, so often <laughs> players are so much better than the devs in the end, right? Like you think you're good at your game yeah. and then you give it to a player and yeah. they speed run it in two minutes and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, especially because they, we devs, like when you're like making a game, you're so used to what is with what is supposed to happen that you don't experiment mm -hmm. further. Yeah. And when you give it to someone else, they, they're like, oh, what happens if I do this? Oh, nope, it's broken. Oh, that made me go so much faster now. Beautiful. So, so yeah, like listening to your experience with the game is like, hey, we didn't find that. We, we should maybe fix that. <laughs> or and stuff like that. Um, yeah, oh, and with Lightless, I was like the only artists of the game we have a lot of programmers which made the game like well not mechanically sound because someone forgot to place a collider but at the very least like the movement felt nice um we we had like the the, the core thing like programmed like really quickly uh but i was the only artist and we needed a bunch of art so we used 3d assets and that's why it is a 2.5d game because we have limitations, and I didn't know how to blend there at that time. It's good to set the uh, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's still like it was very fun because either you have limitations on what you can do, or like you have like okay, we have a bunch of programmers. We can like the game can go to that mm. part, like go to the mechanically or programming part, or you can have two people that know a bit of 2D art and maybe uh, some programming on Unity, and then suddenly you're making music because we ended up making music for the game. And my, my boyfriend actually like composed the, the theme of the game and it just I was just like, okay, I think that beat is off, so it should be like that. But he did like 90%, 95% of the job. I, I was just like this sounding and saying hey maybe do this instead sick well so that's that yeah awesome well then are you gonna post this game or are you gonna wait a little bit do some debug stuff or what's the it's actually on itch.io right now so i could just put the page there and we're just gonna update it with the patch stuff whenever that happens well there so you go fun. shadow path is the name of the game right yeah shadow path is a game the name of the game and also we're gonna i'm gonna yeah, just put like the link on the description just nice play it use of that try it out who knows this might be uh the next big puzzle game just saying 
Yeah. Put some cute little art on that thing. Any feedback is good feedback. Like, put some cute little art on that thing. Tearing your little dot into something or other. That shit's going to, like... You, you'll do great with that shit, man. <laughs> um, I don't know. We like keeping it simplistic, aka we yeah. we want to work on it, but not so much. That's fair. Obviously, sometimes the yeah. goal is just the experience, right? But either way, it's very fun. Um, well, why don't we move on then to how long to beat the game? Paula, what game are we playing today? Playing okay, playing it is a game, and of course I am not stalling for time here. Oh, no, of course, and of course I haven't forgotten how to to put the modifying of getting stats on this thing. And we have World and Economica, episode two. Ooh, okay. Say that again. The visual novel. World and Economica, uh, episode two. I'm gonna just copy and paste the the name of the game here. Please do, <laughs> just to make it easier. Oh, World and Economica. Okay, World and yeah, thought, it's I, a weird sorry, like I've... the end situation. It's like a trilogy. I haven't played it, but I'm aware of it. I think I've seen this. Oh, like, it's actually art. on Steam. Oh, it's 3ds. Never mind. It certainly is. Never mind. I've just heard the World End title. Not, I know there's a new one, World End, but I've heard it in the visual novel. Sent, you know. <laughs> Something. I have to admit, I am not confident at all about this. So this is probably a week wherein Alex does not win. <laughs> it has a very here? good rating on one of those. Steam. Beautiful. How many episodes are there? There's three. Okay. There's yeah, it's a trilogy. And okay. just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna do seven, eight, nine. Yeah, why not? Seven, eight, nine. <laughs> three, six, nine. Okay, I'm gonna go six, six, seven. Hmm. Rick's like. I'm not so, sure if I think they're short or not. Big gamer brain. I'm just going off I the mean, fact it, that they're episodes. Yeah, they can't be that long. I think. So we have said this Should before and been screwed. <laughs> we have said. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, but... Rick hasn't written written his in yet. Sorry. PS4, PS2 was a weird time. He's going for flat six six six. The PS1 okay. was where we got screwed. All right, what what do we got? Oh, How oh, long or longer than eleven? So we have uh, main stories seven and a half hours. Okay. Main plus extras eight hours. Completion is nine hours. I think we all get some points here. Five points. Never mind. Alex fucking nailed that shit right on the money on that one. Dig it. All right, one fifty-eight, one forty-eight for Rick, and one thirty-eight for Paula. So nothing changed this week. <laughs> we were nope. all exactly where we were, but that's all right. We'll get there. We've had a string though of like, like um, you know, like six to eleven hour ish games over the last little while. Um, Shorter. We haven't really been yeah, hit but... with like one of those biggins in a while, which yeah. tend to be the ones that make things interesting. 
think really <laughs> mix up the formula. I think having the five-hour mm. buffer makes things. I think we're too good for it now. Too easy to hedge. Maybe, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it. No, but honestly, like, look at our scores. We've, we've, we're, all three of us. We're not that far in like point differentials. We're only like a couple games away from each other, really. Um, I think Rick's right. Maybe community, uh, tell us how should we shake up how long to beat the game? Should we reduce the point uh, segments? Should we make guessing one time more? Should we? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> should we have a one thing that like could this? be interesting is the from the people that guess the time right, give like an extra point to the person who was the closest to the times, or hmm. get on this. Mm-hmm. Whoever's editing doesn't partake. They pick one of the times top trump style, and whoever gets closest to the time gets the points. It could be fine. I think yeah. we'd, we'd have to start from zero, zero, zero to do it, but I think that could be a cool way of doing it. Yeah, I was also mm-hmm. thinking potentially that the main, the main plus, and the one hundred percent have different um, have different point values to them as well, like a little bit of gambling. <laughs> You know? yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I, you know what? Community, please weigh in. Give us, give us some ideas here. We would love, we would love. These. And while you're at it, please press that, that like button, button and subscribe. <laughs> ding Follow the bell. Us. Pull the lever. Tickle the ivory. Put us in your brain. Ding the right. triangle. Just do all the things. All the things. You know, the things. The things. Uh, well, that's it for this week. Um, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Take it easy. <laughs> Bye. Doodles.